0: Hello all, Mikkel here. Before we get going today, I want to put out a quick ask. If you have a friend or family member who you think would be interested in working remotely, moving overseas, becoming an expat, or learning about digital nomadism, then I want you to share this podcast with them. We are creating a movement, a worldwide community of people who can live anywhere in the world for more freedom and prosperity. People who are excited to explore this world and connect with people and communities abroad. Being an expat is a very special thing. Not always the easiest, but always rewarding. So my goal is to inspire millions to get out there and explore the world and enrich their lives in the process. But I need your help to do it. So please take 30 seconds to share this interview with someone you think needs to hear this message. They will be grateful you did. So thank you so much in supporting this mission. I appreciate you listening to my show and joining us in our journey. Okay, let's get on to today's interview. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikhail Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show. And today's guest is a serial entrepreneur, world explorer, and founder of the billion dollar brand Hydroflask. Besides entrepreneurship, his experiences include becoming a scuba dive master, U.S. merchant marine boat captain, commercial airline pilot, yoga instructor, and Reiki practitioner. Amazing. Please welcome to the show, Travis Rossback. Travis, how are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing well, Mikel. Thank you. How are you?
0: Very well. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm really excited about today's conversation and kind of a preface it before we get going. Me and Travis were kind of talking and Travis gets interviewed all the time and he does a lot of business podcasts. So we're going to talk a little bit about a business, but we're also going to be talking about some of these adventures and some of the travels and experiences that Travis has had around the world. So I guess to kick us off today, why don't you take a minute and kind of walk us through your backstory? How did you get into business and how did you find such a love for travel?
1: Yeah, good, good question, Mikkel. When I think about it, I was about four, four and five years old. I grew up in Salem, Oregon, and I had basically three friends. One was a white guy, one was a Mexican and one was a black guy. And I remember being in the white guy's house, the Mexican guy's house, the black guy's house, and there were three Very similar houses, but they just had different feels. And I was just like, I was so drawn to speaking Spanish in Mexico. Wow, this whole foreign country. Where is this? What is this? And this black guy's house. Very, very similar, but a little different. I was like, wow, this is incredible. I remember his mom saying that she was black and his dad saying that they were African-American. I'm like, okay, what does this even mean? What is Africa? Where is it? I can't wait to go. What is it? Um, So that was like real young. And then when I was in about second, third grade, my grandparents started taking me up to British Columbia and we started going on the um, ferry up to Vancouver Island and going on the border crossings was always like a little bit scary and fun. And like my first international travel, I guess, was up to Canada. And I just I was just enthralled. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. Then when I was in third grade, um, I was in a third, fourth grade split class class. And this fourth graders grandmother came in and she just got back from Australia. And she showed us didgeridoos and boomerangs and art and all of these like far off, like just amazing artifacts. And that's right. About the same time that Crocodile Dundee came out and I was just like, yep, I'm on my way to Australia. I just got to pass time here until I can get out. And then I'm on my way. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Want to go to Australia. About 12 years old, my my neighbor died in Salem, and he, he was a fairly successful uh, attorney, and I inherited his bookshelf with a bunch of business books, and I just poured myself into these books. It rains a lot in Oregon, and I was grounded a lot. So I just read a billion and a half business books and just really fell in love with the idea. When I was 14, I met my dad. He was down in St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands, running scuba diving shops. And so I got to physically put the book's knowledge, you know, the theories of business into practice. When I was 15, we went over into the British Virgin Islands, another, you know, big border crossing. And then when I was 18, I, I took off after high school and, and moved back down to the Virgin Islands and kind of started traveling from there.
0: Amazing. So there's so many scenes... From when you were a child that were all planted that kind of stacked and added on to one another. That's amazing. I mean, I shouldn't say that's great that you inherited the book collection considering the circumstances. However, I mean, the silver lining is that it was had such a big influence on you and helped shape uh, your future trajectory. So that's, that is amazing. What were the big things for you, I guess, on the business side? Because I know you mentioned earlier and off camera that you love travel so much, you were kind of worried that business might get in the way with travel.
1: I did, and I still do. <laughs> Honestly, the first real business that that I owned was kind of a localized company called Bend Fencing. We were building fences. And I remember 11 months in, and, and just kind of like freaking out, I had like this breakdown and I realized I haven't traveled. I haven't left this, you know, four hour radius in 11 months. It's time for me to go somewhere warm, Mexico or Hawaii. I went off to Hawaii and, and ended up moving to Oahu three weeks later because I just loved it so much. And with Hydro Flask, it was the same thing. It was like, I can't be in an office in a cubicle. Like, what am I going to do? I need to go travel. So I, I took full advantage of, of all of the travel opportunities I, I had, but my, my true passion is in, is in travel. Yeah.
0: Okay. So break down to me a little bit about your business that you're doing right now, because I mean, what I was reading and doing a little bit of research on you, it was something like you took $11,000 and turned it into a billion dollar company, like how like how does that work?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hydra Flask. It was it was a lot of work, but we basically sold my my partner at the time. She and I we sold everything we owned, and we came up with three thousand bottles and eleven thousand dollars. And I read a lot of guerrilla marketing books, and I you know I, again I've been reading sort of Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and all these business legendary. Books, and Jim Rohn, Napoleon Hill, so on and so forth. So I just kind of implemented like my every...
0: shelf I have. So... <laughs> you just named off some of my most favorite people that I've read, especially, especially Napoleon Hill. Like, wow, what an influence on my life! Sorry to interrupt you. I interrupt. That's what I do. But
1: no, it's good. I appreciate that. I, I totally do. It's it, and they're all relevant still. Like those hardcore truths are still at the core of business today. I've met millennials who have learned, and I shouldn't say millennials, but they're millennials, that have learned all of their business acumen, or at least think that they have from the TV show Ballers, or from YouTube, or a textbook. And like those those old, old school philosophies and principles still just are so pertinent today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a little side note. I mean, it's so funny when you read any type of personal development today and the media gets a hold of it and they're like, this is amazing. This is so like the secret, like, wow, the secret ever read thinking grow rich. Where do you think that they got this stuff from? Like, I mean, this is not new. This has actually been around for a very long period of time. And these concepts go into much depth. Actually, if you go back to books that are close to a hundred years old. So
1: and and a lot of people will even reference, you know, like if you read between the lines and even more of them, you know, and I say modern, like eighties, nineties, two thousands, even those books, they'll give reference to those old school, hundred year old books. And then going and looking at those hundred year old books, you realize that the vast majority of today's modern content comes from and originates and stems from these old ass books. And it's just like, huh, what is actually really new and modern and, and that's kind of like what I try to I try to put things through that filter when I'm looking at them today.
0: Oh, absolutely. And actually, I'm the type of nerdy person that as soon as I find the book that is 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 years old, I'm actually going out there and finding even out-of-print copies of this book so that I can find what was the source. And then they mention someone. And then I go back further. Like if you look at so much of the sales training, well, they'll talk about, Okay, Zig Ziglar, but then they'll also talk about Earl Nightingale. Okay, well, he was a big influence on a lot of other people. Like you mentioned, Jim Rohn and stuff, or you think about Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins learned so much from Jim Rohn. So then you go to him, and who did he learn from? And you can trace back further and further in time. And that's when you get this unfeathered, uncut up knowledge, and you can see the progression, how it's been done. I think that's really fascinating, personally.
1: And it's a lot easier, I mean, for me anyway, and more interesting and fascinating to kind of be that archive explorer going in and learning about that than going and taking a course at the university or going online and watching the YouTube 30 second or 30 minute overview of it. I just, I love like, just, like you said, just diving really deep down to where it, did this actually come from? and and how did they say it the first time? And I remember watching Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, up on stage, and I'm thinking, this guy's a genius. Like he's just created all this content. I mean, I'm just like I was blown away. And then I get home and I'm reading through the uh, Awaken the Giant Within. Great book. It Great was my book. Bible yeah. for a number of years. I traveled the planet with that book as as my, you know, my constant companion. But then when I started looking at the references and I'm thinking, well, wait a second, this is just what he's just regurgitated in a, in a slightly more modern updated version, like the secret you mentioned, like, man, I remember watching the secret going, why didn't I do that? I know that. Like, I know exactly where she got this from. I know what she's doing here and I could have put that together.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I I I don't wanna focus too much on this topic, but just to kind of wrap things up. For me, it is valuable to read the same type of concepts over and over again, through the different authors, through the different periods of time. Well, first, because I do understand that repetition actually is very beneficial. And a lot of times, if like I've read Awaken the Giant Within 10 times, probably. I've read Think and Grow Rich 20 some odd times. But every time I read it, and I'm in a different state of mind, I'm in a different location, things around me are different, my perspective is different, so I pick up different things. And then when you're reading the different authors, you get their slight take on it. And that repetition over years, over years, over years, really still starts to build up your character. And I think as an entrepreneur, can have amazing effect on you. So that's interesting to see that you started reading a lot of these business books at such a young age. And now today you still regard them and such high standard.
1: And, and today we had the added benefit of listening to them. I call them books on tape because well, it's really just audible, but you know, I'm not plugging audible by any means, but like another Napoleon Hill, one that a classic is how to raise your own salary. It's a little less well-known and, and yet it's in my truck 24 seven with me. If I'm not listening to your podcast or another podcast, I'm listening to like Brian Tracy's greatest hits Zig Ziglar's greatest hits Napoleon Hill over and over and over again. And I'm also listening to those thinking about, okay, well, how would Travis write that? Today, like, what would it sound like if I was to regurgitate that information? How would I put today's modern 2021 or whatever year it is, spin on it myself and continue the the knowledge passing forward? Like, how do I explain this to my daughter to the people I, I work with?
0: Oh, absolutely! And talking about listening to things on repeat, the first time that I read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it was on audiobook, and I mean, I finished the book. And I went back to chapter one and started the book again. And when I read it the second time, I went back to chapter one and read the whole thing like over and over and over again, a number of times, then went out and read everything else by Stephen Covey. And it was just like massive, massive influence on my life. And I have had that before where it's just playing 24 seven, like you said, and every time I listen to it, I'm picking up new insights. And I I missed that the first time I missed that the first three times Like how is that how did I miss that? It's so key. It's so right in my face. And it's had effects on not just my business, not just my travels and my adventures, which we're going to get into everyone. I know, just give me a minute here. I love books. Everybody knows I love my books, but also my relationships, my marriage, me as a father to my child, my relationship with my family, with my parents, how I interact with other human beings on the street. All of these things are helped, assisted, worked on by my knowledge from these types of classic books that we've been discussing.
1: Absolutely. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? Now we have kids that, well, yeah, you know, that we can pass this knowledge along to, and not only can we give the reference manual, but we can also just, you know, kind of like instill it in them over the years as they grow. And I just, I just find that so amazing just such a privilege to have kids that we can pass that along to
0: absolutely being able to show a child what honest and ethical behavior is like through example because as an adult we actually know because let's be honest that type of thing is not taught in public school systems it's not taught in hollywood or in the media a lot of people are very confused about ethics They've never really studied it. And my God, we could turn the whole conversation into my study, well, probably I'm going to guess yours as well, study of history and where so many of the philosophical ideas come through on ethics. But now as fathers, we're able to show this to our children in a real life setting. I mean, that's incredible. It's amazing. But such an advantage for the kids that I just didn't have.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, nor did I. Yeah.
0: Okay. I want to jump into the adventure stuff. Okay. So what, what happened? You were getting shot at in, what was it? Virgin <laughs> <laughs> is Islands or something like this in, in the US. Caribbean, yeah. in the US. Okay. What happened? What happened, Travis?
1: Um, well, so I, I think it was either... Or one of my first or second trips. I met my dad when I was 14. My grandpa just showed up in Salem one day at the door. He knocked on the door and said, Hey, Trav, do you want to go meet your dad? Well, yeah, okay, I guess. Where, you know, what's going on? Is he here? What you know, where is he? This is now he's down in in St. Croix, the U S Virgin islands. And so I went down and he had some dive shops. I I think he had either one or two dive shops at that time. He got up to about four cane Bay dive shop. It's called. Yeah. One night I was with some tourists in the back of a Jeep and we were coming into Christiansted, and there was a little bit of a bottleneck at one point. And I looked over and there was a man just as close, you know, four or five feet away. And he looked at us and he, he said, Hey, white boy. And he pulled his gun up and shot, shot, shot. And luckily shooting pistols is not like it is in the movies. Like it's yeah, really yeah. hard to hit people. Like it, it's a big misnomer. You just aim and point and you hit people. It's it's it luckily, thank God for me anyway, it's a little harder than that in real life. But, and the guy who was driving had the wherewithal to take off and drive around traffic. He jumped up on the sidewalk and, and we drove around. And that was the first time I had been around gunfire and not the last, it was the first though. And I remember after it was over, that's kind of when I got scared. But I also thought like, wow, like that would have never happened to me in Salem, Oregon. Like that I'm I'm on, I'm on a different planet here and I love it. I'm, I was addicted.
0: (laughs) That's too funny. In all of my travels, I have never been shot at. Thank goodness. I've shot lots of guns at a target, you know, at the range or something like that. But uh, yeah, no one's taken a, a pot shot at me. Well, thank goodness, like you said, uh, thank God that no problems there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay, I don't. I also don't want to give people listening today the impression that you go overseas, you become an expat, you start traveling and people are going to be taking a shot at you. I mean, that's...
1: No, nor do I want people to think that St. Croix, U.S. Virgin Islands not a place they want to visit. Please go visit U.S. Virgin Islands. Please <laughs> go, Please but be, be safe. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me
0: what are some other big things that you've done in your life? The things that you're like, wow, like even for me, that's a little bit wild. You know, what can, what can you tell us about that?
1: Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, obviously my daughter is, is, is a big one, but Besides that fatherhood, I think flying airplanes for me was was another really big adventure, flying cross country, flying across oceans, flying through the Bermuda Triangle, flying in foreign countries. Uh, I was very fortunate living in St. Croix to fly with the guy who uh, it was called 401 C3. I'm, I'm, I'm confusing my business terms, my aviation terms. Basically, air, it was it was on demand charter uh uh, company. And we flew all over the, the Eastern, Western, Northern, Southern Caribbean and down into Venezuela. Yeah. I, w- I ended up in Venezuela and we had a catamaran that, that we had hired and, and it ended up in Venezuela. Kind of long story short, we had to sail it out and we took off at two in the morning and, and got surrounded by pirates and the pirates surrounded us for hours and hours. And we thought like, we thought we were done. My my dad had been drinking. we we smuggled a bunch of polar beer and his, his girlfriend was passed out. She was seasick. And this captain Casey and I were up on deck with a machete, a baseball, and a flare gun. And, and we got surrounded by pirates till the sun came up and they just kind of floated off. And the dolphins came out and, and life was good again. That was pretty wild. I was in Africa, had a, I met a, <laughs> met a really neat guy who uh, owned a monkey and he said he had a lock smith company i said oh that's that's interesting but what, what, what's the correlation between a monkey he says well when the people aren't home i just put the monkey through the back window and he comes forward and he unlocks the door for me <laughs> so, so he's a professional like you know burglar I like, that's, yeah i was like that's a really good idea like that's really really cool <laughs> that
0: kind of sounds like something in indiana jones when yeah, i think it's in the yeah. second one <laughs> he's got the little pet monkey and he goes
1: we're locksmiths, okay. <laughs> locksmiths
0: yeah. there we go Excellent. All right. Let's pause for a second. The airline pilot in the introduction, I said a commercial airline pilot. Now I know lots of people who fly airplanes, but they're not flying the plane across oceans and things like this. I mean, we're not talking about a little single propeller, tiny little plane. I mean, like you're talking big planes or like, how were you doing this on the commercial side?
1: Yeah. I was a boat captain 50-ton uh, US merchant marine boat captain, primarily in the US Virgin Islands, St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. John, Puerto Rico, and also a dive master, Patty 158190, dive instructor. And one day it just like struck me in the back of the head, it came out my mouth that I'm a pilot. And I was like, Oh, okay, well, geez, what does that mean? How do I how do I do that? So I moved back to Oregon and started flying. September 11 happened. Everything went on pause. We got back up and running and moved back down to the Virgin Islands. And I flew for Seaborn Airlines, which was the seaplane company flying St. Croix, St. Thomas, and Puerto Rico, which is what I really wanted to do. So I got to do that and then moved up to Florida and flew jets. I flew Lear jets, Falcons, Hawkers, Citations, lots and lots of jet time. Yeah. And then and then also, yeah, I flew skydivers in Oregon and and then the one I just mentioned about flying down island for uh, coastal air with with uh, Mike Foster. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. <laughs> I, I've done a lot of trips in an airplane. I don't fly the airplane. I mean, when I tell people I've circumnavigated the planet 400 times, I mean, I was sat in business class or I was sat in economy class. I wasn't actually flying the airplane. But that's kind of cool. You mentioned something where, and I don't even know if you caught yourself, but you said, I am an airline captain. I am a pilot. And then you went out there and learned how to do it afterwards. So you had kind of actually made the decision first of what the goal was going to be and already put yourself in the position where you identified with that. That became part of your identity. And then figuring out how to do it kind of became second. Did I have that correct?
1: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I and I don't even know that I thought of it. It just hit me. And one day I was in Saint Thomas, and I had just moved from Saint Croix, and I had like eleven dollars in my pocket, and I needed food and water, and um, needed to get my laundry done so I could go out and get a, a job as a boat captain or a dive instructor. And I saw this flying magazine, and I was like, "Wait a second, what is going on here?" That it was one of those like moments where the cherubs were singing and the rainbows and the spotlight came on. It was just like, Oh, I went over, I picked up the magazine and I was like, I just found the golden ticket. Like I can become a pilot. And I, uh, I showed, I showed people and, and nobody really like cared that I was holding this. I was like, Wait, do you not understand what I'm holding here? Like I could become a pilot. We could all, you could become a pilot. I can become a, any of us can become pilots. And then I just said, okay, well, what does it take to become a pilot? And I called one of the schools and they're like, $180,000. It's like, well, I got 11 bucks. Like what else, <laughs> you know, what's the next best bet, you know? And finally, like six or seven schools later, they said, well, you can get financial aid. So, okay, well done. Like, I don't know what that means, but let's do that. And so I used financial aid, figured out what that was and, and became, a, became a, a commercial pilot and an ATP license as well.
0: Wow. So a lot of people probably would have called up the first place, got a no, and just went, well, that's it. Maybe a second one. But to actually go on until you get the answer that you want to have a solution that actually fits what your goals were, I mean, also says a lot about your character. I mean, I keep coming back to character, but seriously, this is important stuff. I'm starting to get a better picture here.
1: Yeah, I remember thinking when the first one said 180 or like, I I didn't even know because the number was just so massive. I mean, it might have been $20 million. It was just a huge number to become a pilot. I thought, well, surely you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, I think I could do it for a 1000 bucks. Call the next one. They said the exact same number. I was like, okay, hold on now. There's got to be a third one that like, let's average these two out and let's get a much lower number. Sure enough. Yeah, they were right. It, It does cost a lot, but it is possible.
0: Yeah, there's other ways to navigate things. I mean, if you give up on something, the very first no that you get, well, probably in business and in entrepreneurship and certainly in travel, you are not going to get very far. I've been traveling a lot in my life. And if I just took no for an answer on how to do things, I would be sitting at my dad's house now. I wouldn't be traveling all over the place. I mean, what's a really big cliche thing? Like where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, there's there's some truth to these types of things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So we we kind of started with the end in mind. We talked a little bit about the business, about Hydro Flask, which is what you're doing now. But now we're kind of going back through all of these types of things. Actually, your... I,
1: I, I'm sorry. I've actually sold Hydro Flask. I'm now doing the Tumalo Group, which is where I help people start their own Hydro Flask, basically.
0: Okay. Let's dive into that. I didn't even realize. I thought you were still with Hydro Flask. So- That's amazing. Well, congratulations, I suppose. Um, That must have been quite a revenue event.
1: (laughs) That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so, all right, let's talk then about what you're working on now. But let's save some time because I do want to get into the Reiki practitioner and yoga instructor and all this other cool stuff that I got a chance to say quickly in the introduction, but we haven't had a chance to explore. So tell me what you're working on these days that you're really passionate about.
1: Well, right now, I'm I'm really passionate about, A, raising my daughter, of course. I mean, that's first and foremost. The second one is I have a bunch of property here in Bend, and I've decided to like develop it and then possibly sell it. And so I, I'm learning all about, well, the past five years or so, I've been learning about chainsaws and, and cutting down trees, uh, non-native um, juniper trees. Big, heavy equipment, backhoes, skid steers, you know, track hose, all these different things. I'm having tons of fun with that. And then I'm also doing the Tumalo group, which is I've just had a really good Rolodex over the last couple decades of doing business. And so when I sort of removed myself from the business world after Hydro Flask, I just had so many people kept asking me, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I replicate what you did? Where do I get this made? How do I do this? How do I do that? So I started the Tumalo group to help anybody and everybody who wants to either grow their existing product line or their existing business or start a startup with their uh, new products. So that's, that's what I'm doing at the Tumalo group.
0: So is that an info biz where you're doing courses and training material and educational products, or is it more on the consulting side where you step in as a high level consultant and kind of troubleshoot or something completely different?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more of a consulting side. It's usually about a four to five, six month consulting gig, but I am in the process of figuring out the platforms to make it more of an information side, because A lot of people go through the exact same issues with business over and over and over again. And so I find myself answering the same questions so many times. It'd be nice if I could just disseminate that to the masses, you know, cheaply, quickly and inefficiently.
0: So opposed to the creating something, maybe documenting how you're helping people and then being able to see those correlations. And if it helped one person in one type of situation, chances are it's probably going to help additional people or help other people because they have similar types of sticking points with their businesses.
1: Yes. Yeah, and it, and you know it doesn't really make a big difference what category or genre their business is. I mean, it, restaurants I, I get, I've always thought of as a little bit different. It's a different type of entrepreneur that does restaurants and I don't have that. I'm not a CPA, I'm not a HR person and I'm not a restaurant person. That's a different kind of um, entrepreneur, but the other types of businesses besides that have typically like levels of success or, or stumbling blocks or, or or barriers that they have to go through in order to upgrade and upsell and up you know up their game. And so, if I can be there with with my hindsight, I can help them get through that fairly fairly effectively.
0: Amazing. So you must get something out of this type of a business besides just a monetary, this must scratch some itch for you because it sounds like you have a lot of things on the go in your life and you have so many different types of passions that there must be a personal reason for doing this type of a business.
1: You're absolutely right. It's like, I have a travel itch, and, and and I had the travel bug, like it's it's in me, but I also had the business itch and the business bug. And so the Tumblr group is great, but I don't really advertise it. I don't really sell it. Mm-hmm. What I get to do is I get to live vicariously through my clients that are out doing their business and I can help see them to success. And that's what I really enjoy is I enjoy the building stages and the success that comes with having a really awesome brand or product. And so I get to live vicariously through them, but I don't have to be the one, you know, working the 90-hour weeks doing that for them or or for I, myself. You know, I get so.
0: that completely a hundred percent. Hence the name of my podcast. I mean the expat money show. I took my two biggest passions in life, like investing in business and then Travel and living abroad. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. That's all I do is talk about this, like I said in before, this crossroads between these two pieces here. And I have an itch from both sides so i tried to find something that would scratch both of those i didn't want to do just a strictly business show and i didn't want to do strictly a travel show i wanted to try to find that little niche of people who are doing business but doing it in an international way and at the same time are out there and having fun and enjoying their lives and exploring this amazing world that we live in i mean that for me is super 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 exciting so i get that completely
1: it's so exciting that you're doing this too. Yeah, such it's such a great podcast. You've had so many good guests, with so many good topics and I've learned so much from you and from your guests. So good, Mikhail. thank you.
0: You thank you are for doing amazing. You thank do. you, Travis, because flattery will get you absolutely everywhere. I appreciate that very <laughs> much. Okay, I want to Let's talk back and I want to talk more about some of these types of things. So like I said, we, we talked about the scuba, we talked about hydro flask, we talked about commercial airline, we talked about boat captain, now yoga instructor, great <laughs> practitioner. That's a different avenue. That's kind of a little bit on the more esoteric side. How does that fit into the, the larger picture of Travis?
1: Yeah, well, that's a great question. I had a about six months from the time I sold Hydro Flask, and you know, I I woke up about six months later. I, I sold in a- April on a Thursday, and I woke up in September. I don't know what day it was. I should probably know that. Let's just call it a Saturday because that sounds like a nice day. I woke up on a Saturday in September and I realized I'm not the Hydro Flask guy anymore. I'm no longer having to show up. I'm no longer the guy you know the hydro flask guy and yet i still will always be the hydro flask guy well but if i'm not the hydro flask guy well then who am i well i'm a world traveler and explorer and a pilot a dive master and all this and i was like yeah yeah i guess but i don't really want to go back to flying i don't really want to go back to being on boats and and living in the caribbean anymore my my liver just couldn't take it (laughs) so Next thing I knew, I had like, I I literally collapsed. I had like a knockout and I stood up and I've not really told people this story at at all, really, but I, I stood up and everything was different. Like my, my vocabulary was different. My thoughts were different. My taste buds were different. My colors, everything was just a little different. And all I kept thinking about was the word Kundalini and the word Zafu, which is a meditation cushion. And I didn't know what was going on and it kind of started to freak me out a little bit. And as I started to pursue a, a Zafu, like go buy a Zafu, where do I buy a Zafu? I had to Google it. Yoga. Okay. I'll go to the yoga store, go to the yoga store. I buy a Zafu. I, I, I it just, it was just crazy. Like I, I came, uh, the Bhagavad Gita like jumped off the shelf at me. And, and now I've got the whole thing tattooed over my back. Like it's, I, I went through a kundalini awakening, is is, is what I'm trying to say, and. So let's and,
0: What is a kundalini?
1: Yeah, so well, so it's said that kundalini is a is a latent energy at the base of the spine, and when it's activated, the sort of metaphor, the esoteric side of it says that this energy travels up the spine and it comes up to the the bindi or, or the top chakra. And it comes out the top, if you're lucky, it will come out the top and there's enlightenment. But just the travel of that energy up through the spine and up through the chakras is, is kundalini. And there just so happens to be a form of yoga to help facilitate that. And so that form of yoga just started coming to me naturally. I just started doing this kundalini yoga and then ended up in Bali at a kundalini yoga class. And I blacked out, and the woman again, and the woman came over. And when I woke up, the teacher, she said, "You need to teach this." And I was like, "This is my first time." <laughs> she goes, <laughs> "Yeah, you need to teach it." I was like, uh, "I don't know." And then I was at, at Brighton Bush Hot Springs here in Detroit, Oregon, and same thing. It was like oh, there's a Kundalini class tomorrow at four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go. And so I went and, and and I started laughing. I was like, how do you know what I've been? I've been doing these, like, how are you doing what I've been doing? These, these maneuvers, these positions. And she said, you need to teach, you need to teach Kundalini. I was like, I guess so. Okay. And so I ended up at seven centers in Sedona and going through really esoteric Kundalini teacher training. And then went back into my Hatha yoga teacher training also.
0: Amazing. That is so wild. That's interesting that you said at the very beginning about, okay, I'm not the hydro flask guy anymore. So that's the second time that identity has kind of come up in this. It's like the, who am I and how do you show yourself to the world? How do you represent yourself? Okay. If I'm not the hydroflask guy, well then who am I? And then having to go out there and kind of rediscover that. The second thing is what <laughs> And I think probably my listeners have heard me talk about this a little bit. When I was probably about 21 years old, I want to say, maybe, 21, 22, I lived in Guatemala. I lived there for five months. And the majority of the time, I lived at a meditation center. And all we did for every day was read esoteric books and do yoga and sit on a rock and meditate. Maybe there was some skinny dipping with some pretty girls on the side, but the majority of the stuff was just... (laughs) (laughs) it's just yoga and esoteric books and so as you're kind of talking about these different types of things i'm kind of having some flashbacks to young 20 something year old Mikkel living overseas at a meditation center and some of my really wild personal experiences that happened so very interesting
1: (laughs) that's awesome that's so cool
0: Do you still practice yoga or reiki or anything like that today
1: not really and yeah. the reason why is because it became such a part of my life it was one of those things where i had bought a ticket i was off to the ashrams in india and i was up into the himalaya to go spend my days in a cave and i knew that i wasn't quite ready for that yet i was still you know in my 30s and i i needed to sort of be here a little longer before I, you know, dissipated. And so I stayed and then I I met the mother of my daughter. And and then now, you know, that really grounds me here in, in Deschutes County, Oregon, for at least another 24 years or so. And but yeah, I mean, I was going spending two, three weeks in in silent meditation. And I didn't want to do anything else. I ended up in the hospital. I, I, you know, my, my body was shutting down. I wasn't eating and yeah. So now I, I try to live as a householder and stay here.
0: I did like long periods of time in silence. I remember at the meditation center and actually did, I think it was five days of fasting and all we had was water. And that is a very bizarre experience. I remember barely being able to sleep or do anything that everything was just kind of food driven. I I wasn't one of these people who become very calm. I became very hyper and then, but didn't have the energy to walk across the room. It was this bizarre experience. I remember the one time I was meditating in a medicinal garden. This is in Guatemala. And we were on this week of silence, the entire resort or the entire uh, place was on silence. So no one had been speaking for probably about six or seven days at that point. And I'm sitting in the medicinal garden and I'm meditating and I swear to God on my life, a snake came and curled up in my lap, like like literally just came up and just cuddled up with me. And I flipped, (laughs) I jumped the snake went absolutely flying and i started swearing profusely in this in the middle of this meditation center when we're on complete silence and the people come running from all over the place and they wanted to know what happened so they're trying to write me and then they're trying to tell me this is like a gift from the divine and you shouldn't do this and you scared it and stuff and we ended up like seeing it it was a it was a freaking fertile lance these things are like poisonous 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 snakes and he just wanted to come up, give me a cuddle, you know. I was like, "This is just so bizarre."
1: Yeah, that's it. Kundalini is represented by a snake, a serpent, and so I, I'm sure they were very seeing that as a as a as a sacred omen, a sign of Mikel's now been blessed. Yeah,
0: yeah, and here I am, like Those totally them. freaked out and swearing like a banshee. And
1: <laughs> I, I I appreciate that story for the fact for so many reasons, but I like the fact that you said. Even though you were freaking out and swearing, they came up and they had, they still wrote what's happening here.
0: <laughs> like They had like little notepads, you know, like, yeah.
1: I mean they, they mean, they
0: kept their vow of silence. Me, I didn't do the greatest in that one. Not my proudest hour, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, well, okay. I, I want to take it in a little bit different direction because another adventure you've had being a father, this is a big adventure. I don't know about how, how old is your daughter? Four, four. Okay. My daughter's four as well. She's about to turn five years old. Wow. This is an adventure. This is like, it's just so different than anything else I've experienced in my life. Sometimes I have people who ask me, not do I like being a father? Of course, I like being a father, but I guess really what it's like. And my response is always the same, that there is no experience in life that can replicate what being a parent is like. I mean, you can read about it in a book. You can watch it on a movie. You can hear about it from your buddies or your friends or even your folks who had you as parents. However, being a parent yourself and going through it, there is nothing else on planet Earth that is the same. I'm not trying to say better, worse, anything like this. I'm just saying nothing else is going to prepare you. Nothing else is the same. What is your experience in being a father? Have you found it to be an adventure?
1: Uh, all of the affirmation, you hit it on the, the nail on the head. I remember back in the day when my first buddy had a child and I was just like, dude, we're, we're so young. Like there's so much life ahead of us. We have so much to do. Like, why would you, why would you put everything on pause right now for a child? Well, fast forward a few years later and I asked him again, I'm like, what do you think? Is it something I should do? Are you, are you glad you did it? And he said, he said, yeah, Travis, it's going to change your world. It's like unlike anything you've ever done before. And I thought, okay, I will. And then I waited another 10 years or so. And then, then I did. And you're right. It's like, I learned so much about so much having her, Like, not only does she ask me why repeatedly, which is awesome, but like, I've always been so inquisitive, which totally helps with my travels. You know, I, I just, I'm constantly asking why, why, how much, where, how, how, what do we do next? And so having to answer those questions as honestly as I can, and then learning the answers to the ones that I don't know so that I can then teach. But I'm just learning about everything and she makes it worth staying in one place for me, like as much as I wish that I could travel with her, I just, (laughs) ironically enough yesterday, I just asked her mother, I said, Hey, look, if I buy you this here in Bend, Oregon, we have these earth cruisers, they're these big trucks that you go. And I said, I'll buy you an earth cruiser and I'll buy me an earth cruiser. And what if the three of us just travel the planet for two to four years? And I had the whole thing plotted out and mapped out and I was ready to go and she said no i need a i need a home base I'm like oh, okay but i'm okay because i have my daughter she's worth staying here for but there is a point at which i would love to take off and go travel the planet with her
0: traveling with kids is rad i mean it is so cool my daughter has been to 13 countries already and that is just her normal life she doesn't know any different another interesting you think or thing you just said is how your daughter's always asking why how what about this et cetera. Et cetera. my kid doesn't really do that my kid does something quite different she tells me how things are she's like <laughs> no daddy like this is how it is and she's yeah. just like she's the boss lady and she already knows she she got everything figured out you know really daddy like you you don't know what you're talking about you know so that, that's been interesting and you know, sometimes i'm like Baby, you're four. I'm 38. Like, I might have one or two things. No, no, not at all. This girl, she's got it all figured out.
1: <laughs> we have the same exact conversations. And she'll tell me the most, just like random off the wall facts and figures. And I'm like, that sounds right. I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah, sure. I guess you know. And then there's other times where she'll argue with me and or not argue, but she'll have her opinion which I know is just 180 degrees opposite that it's not red. It's blue, but in her mind it was red. And I think, well, if she's wrong about that, was she wrong about that other thing? Like, shall I believe that? too? <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I can't imagine. Like, I'm, I think that four years old for her also between four and five is going to be massive. Like, this is the year that I still get my little girl when she's five, she's going to be, you know, basically a woman, and she's gonna, you know, go out into the world at five, and she's gonna, you know, not love her dad anymore. This, this is kind of one of these phobias or fears Aww. that I have, but I don't know. I, I hope she always just, I don't know. More than likely, I have until probably seven or nine or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the year. Little girls, they just stop loving their daddy. They just go out there, do everything on their own, independent woman. Now, I, I think that there'll always be a special relationship. Sounds like you have a really special relationship with your daughter. I would expect that to go on forever.
1: Uh, she's my little homie, and I do. I do hope so, and I think I'm sure it will. I I bet it will. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's so funny these days. I say to her, "I'm like, baby, you're so cool.
1: You're just, you're just
0: so awesome. You're like the best, like little kid I've ever met in my life." It's like, you too, daddy. You're the best. You're, you're just rad. And I'm like, thanks, baby.
1: I love those moments. I I love them because they're so honest and they're so true. And it's, it's just so good. Amazing.
0: Well, super interesting conversation today, Travis. We span the entire globe. Oh my goodness. So many different things you've been up to. This has been really, really fun. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your insights and some of your adventures from the globe. If my listeners want to reach out to you, if they want to find out more about what you do, where can we send them?
1: I am on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is kind of one of the easiest, best ways to, to make initial contact. Travis Rossback, R-O-S-B-A-C-H on LinkedIn. And I'm also Travis at tumalogroup.com, T-U-M-A-L-O-G-R-O-U-P.com.
0: Perfect. And I'll make sure all the links to this are in the show notes for Travis's episode at expatmoneyshow.com. Travis, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay.
1: Thank you. Mikael, And tell your wife, I said, ni (laughs) hao. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. See you. Cheers. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our
0: newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels.